0: I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Dr. Steve Davis, he's a veterinarian and CEO at Colorado Quality Research. Steve, great to have you here. Good to be here. Necrotic enteritis, I know one of your favorite topics. Um, It's always been a struggle for the no antibiotics ever production systems, but it sounds like the industry is making some progress
1: yeah uh, there is some progress yeah they're, we're finding some things that uh, have have some efficacy uh, we're not necessarily we're not replacing the pharmaceuticals by any means at this point but uh, they are finding some ways to manage around uh, uh, some of these new programs and uh, some of our research is going to help lead towards some of those things
0: and at, at this point I mean can we talk about which alternative products are showing the most potential?
1: Yeah, I think uh, uh, the the hot topic out there right now has uh, turned into the trace minerals of all things. Uh, and we basically have been able to find that copper and zinc are key trace minerals in helping gut health and helping... Uh, I think with the Coxie challenge and also with uh, the clustered Imperfringence challenge. That's interesting. interesting. So, right. is this something that you would
0: just put into the starter feed or throughout the life of the bird?
1: It's a good question. Uh, the uh, they're typically most companies they are having to go to higher levels uh, of these trace minerals because they're, they're feeding so them anyway. Yes, right? they're feeding them anyway, but they're going to higher levels. And it started out that they were using it in starter, and I think it's pretty well gone to where most of these companies are using it at higher levels in the starter and the grower. Now, what is
0: it about zinc and copper, did you say? What is it about these two trace minerals uh, that seems to have some kind of uh, an effect against necrotic
1: enteritis? Tell you the truth, I'm not for sure what the mechanism is Uh, that's actually, you know, what that all is. We know that uh, zinc is very important when it comes to immune system and uh, and maybe that's having some impact on uh, local immunity with these trace minerals. Um, Because we also know in some of the research that we've been doing that immunity or having early exposure to clostridium perfringens in that used litter is very important in helping control necrotic enteritis later in life in those grow outs as well, well rather than starting on new, on new litter. And you gave a presentation about that at the
0: American Association of Avian Pathologists last year. Uh, and maybe for the benefit of our viewers if you could recap the highlights of that and, and let us know the, the, the takeaway messages. How can we use litter to, to get a better
1: control of necrotic enteritis? Okay. Well, I mean, necrotic enteritis is a very age specific problem. It usually shows up, uh, you know, 14 to 24 days of age is most classic. If it shows up uh, later than that, we found that, that typically means that you have a, a significant coccy problem uh, that's an underlying cause but it's very rare for it to occur real early. And so when we place baby chicks on used litter that have the clostridium spores there, these chicks are exposed to it. They ingest these spores and suddenly they have uh, exposure to clostridium perfringens before they get to that age where coccidiosis becomes a factor and uh, where there's typically Uh, an age-specific problem for necrotic enteritis. And so I think there's the beginning of some immunity that occurs, and then we have less necrotic enteritis. And uh, where we start these chicks on used litter, and where there's been Clostridium perfringens exposure prior. And uh, we were able to do that, uh, reproduce that in, in a study that I presented last year at the AAAP and uh, we're seeing that uh, out in the field as well and that the, the worst outbreaks of necrotic enteritis are typically occurring in brand new houses, first flocks uh, or uh, where after, first flock after a total clean-out.
0: What have you seen in terms of a, a seasonal pattern with necrotic enteritis? Uh, it, I, we know it's yeah. a problem year-round but it, does it tend to be worse
1: at some times of the year? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and that's the interesting thing that with what's going on with necrotic enteritis in the U.S. with these new NAE programs is that there, there is some <clears throat> uh, concern. People are kind of holding their breath a little bit, because how, so far we haven't had the earth-shattering, uh, you know, uh, destructive type of problems that we were ho- you know, afraid that we might get into. So far, so good, things haven't been so bad. Some complexes are having more problems than others, but the shipwrecks are just not as, as bad as what we thought they would be. But we are also just moving into the time of year and so we're just getting through that first year without the use of the of these pharmaceutical products. And typically the worst time of the year is the spring because you go through that winter time, houses are closed up, we have more humidity in the houses, a little more moisture in the litter. We end up in a better situation for uh, oasis sporulation and cycling ecoxy and then also the the, the presence of clostridium perfringens. So we're just getting ready to get into that first full season after a year of no antibiotics type of programs and going into the toughest challenge time.
0: What is the role for antibiotics in, in managing necrotic the
1: enteritis these days? Well, um, I know there's 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 two different programs out there of what I'm hearing uh, in the commercial boilers uh, where there are no antibiotic ever type of programs. and One is what I would call the, the ethical programs, is that they have a set standard that if mortality gets to a certain level, that they treat, and then that's where they treat with the antibiotics, and then they market those. Um, those flocks uh, uh, under another label uh, um, but then there's some companies that are taking the approach that they're not treating and and they're just if they have a shipwreck flock they're just trying to limp their way into the processing plant and they don't treat those so that they can still process those and label of uh, uh, antibiotic-free, and frankly, uh, I have real concerns about that, and I and I don't think that that's going to be successful, and that is not going to be sustainable long-term with that kind of approach.
0: And where would you draw the line? Uh, you talked about a threshold. Is how would you measure that?
1: Whew. That's uh, <laughs> that that's a question that uh, a lot of people have, but I. I I think that most of these companies are, are basically that putting that threshold as somewhere between three-tenths to a half of a bird per thousand mortality, and they, uh, they go that level. And I, I'd have to leave that more to the, the guys that have to live it day in and day out and where that really... Are there certain types of operations
0: where preventing necrotic enteritis more of the traditional way with an antibiotic is that still a good idea
1: well yeah I, I'm again I'm, I'm a firm believer in that these healthiest flocks that are being are, are utilizing antibiotics in a responsible manner uh, are the best uh, for and that's what I feed my family and um, I so I'm I definitely feel that um, you know the responsible use of antimicrobials and uh, ionophore uh, coccidiostats is uh, the most humane and the most efficacious and the healthiest way to grow broilers. Now we are finding, and, and the industry's figured out, that longer downtime, is, a, is another big tool that uh, we've learned. I mean, we used to talk about 14 days minimum downtime between flocks was kind of critical. Well, now with these- uh, For managing necrotic enteritis? For managing necrotic enteritis, managing coccidiosis, managing bird health as a whole. And uh, now these companies that are going antibiotic-free are finding that even pushing it out to 21 days downtime has been a real successful approach to decreasing some of these bacterial challenges uh, in these commercial houses. And I think that's a good move. But, but specifically, why does that occur?
0: Why does why You know, if, if you benefit? bring it out to 21 days or whatever, uh, because the bacteria are in the litter anyway, correct? But what does a downtime do to really reduce the pressure? Uh,
1: That's a good question, and we know that, okay, especially Clostridium because it's a spore former, so it's not necessarily, it's not going to die or disappear out of the litter, you know, between 14 and 21 days. We know that's the case, but we also know that the longer we have for downtime, the more drying effect we have of that litter, and as it dries, then we, we end up with less oasis, that are viable. And ultimately, I think we're finding so far early into this uh, change in our industry that coccidiosis is still the number one factor. And that's one of the reasons our research company is doing more coccidiosis research probably than we ever have uh, because coccy control uh, is still probably the primary issue when it comes to necrotic enteritis and the Clostridium perfringens is still that um, you know secondary factor that's an opportunistic bacteria pathogen. and pathogen. And it's interesting you say that because you know we've got
0: you know three major types of products for coccidiosis. You've got the vaccines, you have the ionophores and then the non-ionophore anticoccidials. Yes. Yet, a, a lot of companies have said, well, we're going to go antibiotic-free, which means that we can't use the ionophores anymore. So they've really narrowed the, the, the field in terms of the uh, number of tools that they have available, at which puts more pressure on them, particularly the feed medications. Are you concerned about that at all?
1: Very much so, and I think that's another reason why uh, you know a lot of veterinarians out there in the commercial industry are kind of holding their breath right now. Saying you know what's going to happen this spring because again we've had a year where a lot of these chemical uh, or, or non-ionophore or non coccidiostats are being utilized and utilized significantly that uh, are we going to start seeing resistance and we will I mean we know that we will eventually but when is that going to show and then how bad is it going to be and we just haven't been able to come up with alternatives to antibiotics to really help these companies be able to manage uh, the use of the coccidiosis vaccines very well, so they're not real confident with that. So right now, all of the pressure for coccidiosis control is on those non-ionophore coccidiostats, and that's where resistance is going to definitely be a challenge.